Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Hey Mikey. Yes? This week's movie has established for me a new household rule. Are you ready to hear it? Yeah, I I may not agree to it. Let's see. Well, it's very relevant to you and the work that you do. Yeah. Um, New household rule. No speaking Latin to the computers. Okay, but just to be clear, if the computer asks me for blood, and I give it blood, which I would do, and then it's like, human blood, do I then have to give it the human blood? No, I feel like you need to draw a line somewhere, and preferably somewhere before blood of any kind. But yeah, definitely before the human blood. Okay, I don't know if that stuff's going to come up in our lives, though, because our computers don't seem to work the same way as the computers in Evil Speak from 1982. I mean, you're right. I do think that computer technology has perhaps evolved beyond that. But I'm not sure, to be to be really, really honest with you, I'm not sure that the evolution of computers has gotten further away from the possibility of demonic possession. Yeah, definitely computer stuff has not gotten less evil than the 80s. No. That's for sure. (laughs) Although the graphics would be better because we were definitely working on what? Those were Apple IIe's? Yes, this movie featured an Apple IIe, which was the very first home computer I ever had. So fancy. It was very exciting. And mine, you couldn't ask mine questions like it was Google and get answers. I know, this This Stanley Coopersmith was way ahead of his time in terms of understanding what the possibilities were for technology, computer technology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's ahead of current time. I, we, <laughs> we do not use it to communicate with Satan yet. I mean, well, we don't. No, Are you saying that's nobody true. out there in the world On does? Twitter, we do, yes. That's true. <laughs> on Truth Social. <laughs> yeah, on Truth Social. No longer on Twitter. Um, okay, so let's let's back up a little bit, catch mm. our loyal listeners up. Um, as you said, we're talking about the movie Evil Speak from 1982, starring none other but the youngest Clint Howard I have ever seen. <laughs> yes, indeed. He, he was very young in this, and it was kind of weird to me to think, like, this is 1982, and I don't know, it seems like he must have aged really fast since then. He looked like a <laughs> child. Yeah. I mean, he was playing an orphan teenager who had been sent to this like military boarding school. Yeah. So I mean he he was playing basically a, an older child, but he just stunningly young. Mhm. But he still looked like Lynn Howard. Yeah. I knew who it was right off the bat. That's the only recognizable person in this movie as far as I could tell. Yeah. But it was kind of fun. So he is Stanley Coopersmith. He's at this military boarding school. Where he is just relentlessly picked on by everyone. Everyone. The other kids, the teachers, 
the the colonel who runs the place like they from the top mm-hmm. down even the colonel's secretary <laughs> is just abusive toward yeah, him like but there's terrible. something wrong with her i don't know what's going on there yeah yeah i i'm not quite sure how she got a job at that place like <laughs> they seemed pretty straight-laced and buttoned up and then there's this like scantily clad woman running the colonel's front office who is also a kleptomaniac apparently yeah i mean i think there are hints that the evil book that she stole was kind of controlling her to some degree in some way like later we see other students getting like mind controlled by the book slash the computer by something by by the evil that's going on right where they're they're suddenly all like Chanting kill, 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 and yeah. ready to... Spoiler alert slash content warning. They're ready to harm the dog that... The cutest little puppy. Yeah, so if you are one of those folks that don't watch movies where the dog dies, like, you're not going to watch this movie. Just a baby puppy. Yeah. It, I think that's true. And that really brings me to the biggest problem I had with this movie in that... I felt like there was a weird catch-22 happening or like whatever the the other side of a catch-22 is. Like a catch-22 is how things can't happen. What's the Mm -hmm. other side of that where like things that shouldn't be able to happen are happening? Um, Bad writing. (laughs) Perhaps that's what it is. I don't know. I feel like there's a term for that. Like, Like my brain keeps giving me like some kind of weird loop or something. But basically... These things kept happening because people were possessed by this Mm. evil book that contained the devil. Only the things that were happening were the things that were allowing the devil to be freed from this evil book. But the devil was making them do the things. So I'm like, why did he need them to do them if he was already able to control things? That reminds me very much of the Bye Bye Man, which we saw last year, which had the same exact problem where... It was like if you if you heard this guy's name, you'd be like stuck with it and compelled to say it and eventually you'd be dead or whatever. But before anyone saw the name, the name was like manipulating itself into their field of view, like trying to get seen. Yeah, and there's something like there's something broken about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cheating. Yeah. I mean, I guess the argument is the devil had a certain amount of power. While in the book slash in the computer and was trying yeah. to be completely freed into the world. But I still, I don't know. It felt, it felt wrong to me. Speaking of problems with this situation. Yes. The movie opens with Lorenzo Esteban being banished from Spain because of all his devil worship. And first problem there is mm-hmm. they they're, they're like on the beach banishing him they're like mm-hmm. you're you got to get out of spain which i, I guess they're saying swim like for walk it into the ocean yeah. yeah i don't know and then like 2 seconds later he's still on that beach performing a satanic ritual so like i don't yeah. know also they banished him but they let him go off with two swords <laughs> yeah well he's got to protect himself when he's no longer in it, spain it really was the most low-key banishment in the world yeah it was pretty chill they really should have expected him to pop up in a computer somewhere hundreds of years later and that's the thing that's weird esteban is the one in the computer not the devil but also because he's a devil worshiper and he's in the computer and he's saying i will return and he keeps signing things he's like esteban yeah, on the computer definitely definitely <laughs> like 
the finger guns and everything. Yeah. yeah. There was just like, it was like, hey, Esteban. It was weird. <laughs> Human blood. Esteban. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, like a designer. <laughs> Esteban. <laughs> so really, this is like a ritual to bring Esteban back, which kind of is what happens because Clint Howard, Cooper Smith, gets possessed by Esteban towards the end of the movie. So that's happening. Revealing a power that I did not know Esteban had, which was... Hovering? Hovering in the (laughs) middle of a room for a very long time. Yeah, and just just, dragging scenes out for a very long time. sword. Yeah. Like, just hanging out, just chilling. Yeah, pretty strange, actually. So that's the whole end of the movie. But, I mean, that's my issue is, like, the ritual, first of all, starts with discussing how the world is evil and, therefore, Satan is the one who rules the world, not God. And we figured that out. Wish everyone else would, too. Come on, guys. That's what it said in the book. Oh, well, I mean... It makes sense. There's logic there. Okay. So there's that... But then it goes straight into the ritual being like, I command you, Satan. I'm telling you what to do. Which is like, if he runs the whole world, you can't do that. It should be like some demon you're calling up, not the ruler of all things. The world is a mess, (laughs) and I just need to rule it. Yes. And then from there, it's like, this is all about Esteban will return. It's not even Satan. And then I got to thinking, like, did they think, like, Esteban sounded creepy like it was... The word Satan, because it means Steve. (laughs) Which makes it even better. He's like, Steve. Steve. (laughs) He's all signing the computer. Yeah, yeah. I just, maybe it was a multi-step thing. Like, maybe they needed to bring Esteban back, and then Esteban would have the skills and knowledge and whatnot to then, you know, bring the devil back. I don't know. Yeah, Stanley did not have skills and knowledge to get this done. The whole movie is how long it took him to get this ritual right. Also, it was almost entirely completed by accident. Yes. I kind of felt bad for Esteban trapped in the computer. You know how you feel when you call an older relative and they're (laughs) asking you for technology advice and you're like... Click the X, and they're like, can't find the X. And I pressed the X key on the keyboard. Yeah, like, are completely not understanding any of the instructions you're giving them. I feel like that's how Esteban probably felt trapped inside this mm-hmm. Apple IIe, typing out <laughs> on the little green screen instructions, and having Stanley Cooper Smith just, like, bumbling around out in the world. Yeah. At, Doing everything except the things that you're asking him to do. Which led me to my favorite part when, I mean, okay, first my least favorite part when they murdered the puppy. I didn't like that. But all this time, so Stanley tried to do the ritual and he did a bunch of it. And the computer handily had a list of what it needed for this ritual. And he got it all done except blood and consecrated host. He Mm -hmm. couldn't manage those even though he got the consecrated host. I don't know. I don't even, like, what the heck happened? Because we watched him go up and, Uh like, sneak up to the altar and open the little chalice and, like, take out one of the pieces, like, a wafer. And then he got peckish on the way back, apparently, is what happened. I guess. My other theory was that there's maybe something about how if you touch it, it's no longer consecrated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. But I don't know enough about anything to know what the rules are around sure. 
the bread host thing. Transubstantiation. Right. I don't understand the science of transubstantiation. (laughs) So he was missing those two things. And then the bullies who wanted to bully him murder the puppy and blood goes everywhere. And first of all, they were compelled to do this by the computer slash the book slash Esteban slash Satan. So why did it do that? Because immediately, as soon as the puppy was dead and blood flew everywhere, the screen said, like, data incomplete. Blood. It, it like, scratched out blood and was like, HUMAN BLOOD! Like, in all caps, big letters. Steve was so mad! (laughs) He was like, come on, guys! I shouldn't have to explain this! I cannot believe that I had to do this. Esteban! (laughs) But... You know, so that was hilarious that it just had to, it was like, come on, guys, get with the program. But also, it forced them to do this murder of the puppy. So, like, why was it doing, why? Why, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There was um, an ongoing parallel thing happening to, like, because the secretary, Miss Friedemeyer, the klepto secretary, had taken the book home with her and was, like, trying to pry a gem medallion kind of thing off the front. Yeah. And Esteban was super unhappy that she was trying to do this. I don't know. Like, he could feel it, like, because he's yeah, it's like still hurting him. the book or something. But the way that unhappiness was demonstrated was that some pigs that lived on the grounds of the military school... Would get really upset. Yeah, just specifically the pigs. So upset, in fact, that they escaped from their pen, traveled an unknown distance, went up what I assume are some stairs. Like, I I don't feel like this girl lived on the ground floor. Like, went to her somewhere apartment, (laughs) broke into her apartment, found her bathroom, and attacked her while she was taking a shower. Yes, and they ate her up good. Yeah. Pigs, man. I, yeah. So, like, I don't, I did not fully understand. I mean, obviously, pigs, like, that's pretty common, like, thematic devil story. Yeah, I kind of like that, though, because you always see rats and spiders. And this was pigs, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense, but you don't see it that much. So, it kind of worked. Yeah. Although, honestly, does it make sense? Because I feel like pigs... It's weird to me that pigs were given such a bad rap because I feel yeah. like pigs probably were pretty helpful. Yeah, pigs are friendly. And I mean, well, I meant helpful in the t- sense <laughs> that like people got to eat them and they were an important That's part. That's why they're so mad. <laughs> Possibly. But like pigs are an important part of like survival mm-hmm. in earlier times. And so it's weird that they were associated so strongly with like yeah. evil. Well, I think it's like the classic stigma against pigs of mm. ooh, they're dirty, they roll around in mm. mud. But if you gave them water, they wouldn't roll in mud, they'd roll in water. Pigs like to be clean. They do. And they're very smart. Mm-hmm. Smart yeah. enough to read a book in Latin. Yeah. Uh the other thing I thought was fun about that is that after the pigs killed the secretary, you know, punished her for her transgression of stealing this book and trying to take it apart. Yeah. The book vanished. Yeah. Like literally poofed out of air as if a ghost shark had eaten it. <laughs> exactly. And then later it just appears and thunks down on the table or on the altar or whatever that cross yeah. thing. 
in front of Stanley much later. And I'm like, you know what? If you could poof the book in and out of existence and move it to wherever you wanted it to be in the first place, why? Why? Why did why? you have to, like, send the pigs? I don't know. There was a lot about this movie that was why did that have to happen. Most yes. of it, I'd say. Yes. For example... This all gets started when Stanley is supposed to clean the basement of their chapel, and he instead breaks open an entire wall. Like, he sees, like, one one brick is missing, and so he sees there's a passage. And so he completely levels a human-sized hole in the wall, and it's like, wow. Not even human. It's like like Kool-Aid man-sized hole in the wall. He just Kool-Aid man through the wall. And goes and finds, you know, this evil altar area with where the evil book is and everything. So it's like the satanic thing under the church. Yeah. He then proceeds. We don't see this, but he proceeds to light at least 400 candles in that room. Like, he lights it all with candles. That room is filled with three (laughs) things. Candles, cobwebs, and old books. Yeah. And we have already established, because... The movie kind of starts with a soccer game that our friend Stanley Cooper Smith is not (laughs) the most physically dexterous person we've ever met. He's not. Like, I straight up was waiting for him to knock those candles over and just burn himself to death in this room full of old paper. Okay, this is a real weird aside. Okay. But in the middle of the movie, the bullies dress up in creepy masks and try to scare Stanley, causing him to hit his head on the wall and be knocked unconscious. Yes. I immediately wrote down, I bet the rest of this movie is, you know, like an unconscious dream that he's having. Like, none of it's Ah. real. And, now this is where it all ties together, this movie ends with the church burning down because he (gasps) Estebans up out of the floor and murders everyone inside with all the doors locked and it's all burning down. Are you suggesting that he hit his head, passed out, and then the place burned down around him while he was having this like weird concussion dream? It's possible. I mean, it would make as much sense as anything else that happened in this movie. Yeah. I I actually kind of, I'm making that canon in my head because that makes it a more interesting story. I'd like to talk about the special effects of this movie. Okay. Particularly the sheer amount of gelatin they must have used to create all of the human-shaped things that were decapitated or otherwise harmed in (laughs) this movie. There were a lot of rubbery heads flying off of people. That was pretty fun. Like when Esteban (laughs) is doing his sacrifice on the beach shortly after the banishment that didn't take. There's a girl standing in front of him, clearly sacrificing herself. And I mean, or being pressured. Like, I feel like there was probably, it wasn't consensual. There was serious peer pressure. Yeah. I feel like there was a power differential there. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she thought she was sacrificing herself, but anyway, we're, we're looking, the camera is like zooming in on her and Esteban <laughs> behind her with the sword. And then there's a full second of us seeing the like jello replacement that they put <laughs> in her place before this sword takes the head off. It's, we're on that for long enough that A, I was able to register it because I don't pay attention to those kinds of things. Like I don't notice when... When, like, stand-ins are, you know, when they swap that sort of thing. I was very clearly able to see 
Oh, well, that's not her anymore. <laughs> that's not a top-of-the-line model. <laughs> no, that's not even a person anymore. And for it to start to slump a little bit. Like, someone had clearly let go of the top, and it was, like, falling down. And then they cut the head off. But it didn't really cut the head off. It just, like, yeah. whapped the head off, and it went flying. It yeah. was... It was not a well-done model. It was like like you see on the internet, like a cake fail. Like, oh, this is yes. supposed to be a person's face, but it's just really awkward and weird. Right. It was just kind of an oblong <laughs> shape with some maybe weird detail on the front. Yeah. And then it w- like that happened over and over again. Anytime mm-hmm. there was a close-up of someone being hurt, it was very clearly this like jello model of whatever it was like it was so weird it's funny you keep mentioning jello models because there's also a fetus in a jar in this movie which is i mean it's it's jello it's a gummy bear but a gummy fetus that's like blobbing around in the jar and it was that was an amusing little creature it was sort of like you know how if you take a like a gummy bear and you like soak it and then it, like, you just leave it in, in so, like, a jar of liquid for several days and it becomes, like, four times its size and it's, like, <laughs> yeah. floating around all swollen. That's what it looked like. It was a vodka gummy. A vodka gummy fetus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was pretty active, too, for a fetus that had been in a jar yes. for hundreds of years. But that was a nightmare that Stanley was having. Was it? That's the implication. We see him wake up right after that. Okay. You and I interpreted that differently. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Because he finds the room, and he lights all the candles and whatever, and the door shuts, and he's trapped in this room. Mm-hmm. And, like, all these things happen, and then he wakes up. Yeah, he wakes up in bed. So he yes. got out of the room for sure. Okay, but I just assumed, like, he was magicked out of the room the same oh. way the book was magicked around like i'm just like oh the devil put him in his bed you know like how um doesn't that happen to neo in the matrix like he does the whole follow the white rabbit thing and then he wakes up in his bed the next morning that was alcohol i'm just saying it's like <laughs> there was a blackout sort of situation sure. where he doesn't no, know I, how he got into i'm the on bed, board with that yeah because that's like a you know it's one of those things where it's all so messed up and evil that it like confuses his reality and somehow he ended up back in bed to go to your take on it though Mm -hmm. perhaps he locked himself in that room within like what half an hour of going down like they're like stanley you're on punishment go (laughs) clean the basement he manages to lock himself in a room he lights a bunch of candles in a locked room full of cobwebs and paper burns up all the oxygen and the entire rest of the movie after that is his brain starving for oxygen. There is actually a moment when he first finds the book. There's a bookshelf with a bunch of books on it and candles like lining the edge of the bookshelf. They're right there, mm-hmm. all burning. And he's holding the evil book and he's trying to read it and he holds it like right up to the uh-huh. candle. I I suspect there were takes where he set that book on fire. <laughs> they had to replace it. And I, I mean, that could have been the whole thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that counters that is that at the end, the, there's there's not really a satisfying conclusion to this movie. It just kind of ends after yeah. a bunch of people have been murdered in the church. And it goes to, like, black or whatever. And then we get the, you know, text of, like, the update on what where are they now. <laughs> and it turns out that 
everyone thinks, even though he like actively goes and murders all of these people in the church yeah. out of revenge for his dead dog, like reasonably so. They killed his puppy. He all fair. wiped out like an entire military school. Yeah. But the people who found him as the, you know, consider him the sole survivor of this like freak fire thing that happened. And he was declared insane and was put into this Sunnydale asylum. Yes, he which was. Which you pointed out. Is in fact the place where in a much later season of Buffy, there's an episode where Buffy is in an asylum, not in the story of Buffy, but it turns out that the story of Buffy is her delusions yes. in this asylum. And the end of that episode basically gives you the option that it, her whole history is just delusional. And that she was- chooses to remain in the delusion. Yes, she's like, I have to go save the world. So she goes back into the delusion and then you see everyone, you know, her loved ones being like... Oh no, Yay. we lost her. No, the, oh, you know, and the, the real the asylum, loved ones. Like, we're like, yes. oh no, we've lost her. And you, yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes because you don't know mm-hmm. which one is real and you get to decide. Indeed. But here's, here's the thing this is some like, apparently this movie takes place in the same universe. Well, not that much earlier. Like no, just, yeah, like 10 years earlier, probably. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, if we watch that episode of Buffy carefully, we might see Clint Howard somewhere in the background. <laughs> yes, and it meshes perfectly with a much earlier episode of Buffy in which Willow is seduced by a demon on the internet that makes her mm-hmm. build him a robot to live in. And it's the same computer, definitely. Yeah. It's so- Esteban. Esteban. Yeah, I really, I really think, like, this goes back to where I started. Like, there should be, people need to know not to speak Latin to their computers and not to, like, if you find an evil book, don't, like, scan it into your computer. Like, we don't need to be teaching AI satanic rituals. It's basically the same thing that happened in both Buffy episode and the movie. And it is interesting that really just... If he had focused in Latin class and learned this stuff for himself instead of using a computer to do the translating, he could have just translated it and it would have been fine. Here's, I think, the problem with that is that if he had just translated it himself, then would Esteban have been inside him? Because Probably. Yeah. Program his brain instead of his computer. Yeah, I'm not sure that it would have solved the problem of this movie but it definitely would have kept it from being on the computer which then surely will become part of you know the wider internet which we now 40 years later know like spans the globe and is one large esteban has since created facebook is what happened yeah and okay one of the big problems with this movie for me, is that it's this standard narrative of, ooh, he's the bullied kid at school, and, you know, we feel for him, and, you know, we want him to do well, and, you know, get revenge is what we want, but, like, you know, in a good way, like, he's the winner, they're the losers, yay. Right, like, he gets to score the winning soccer ball yeah, in all the it, big game. That's like, that's, like, the structure of this movie, except this loser guy goes on to summon Satan, and resurrect Esteban, and murder everyone. And that's all, I mean, okay, whatever. But they try to undercut that 
with, hey, I've got these puppies here. This one's a little runt. I'm going to murder it. And Stanley's like, no, I love this puppy. Puppies are cute and wonderful. I'm going to take care of it. And everyone else, everyone in the world wants to kill this dog. (laughs) Stanley's the only one who's willing to take care of the dog. Even the only (laughs) other halfway decent character in the entire movie Mm-hmm. The cook who works at the at yeah. in the cafeteria, like even shirtless, he, yeah, even he is like, eh, he's the runt. What are you gonna do? Yeah, let nature take its course. Exactly. And the movie tries to give Stanley this good guy angle from that, but he's a Satan worshiping murderer. Yeah, he very. <laughs> He makes the conscious choice. And we could argue he's being possessed much like the secretary was yes. and much like the other kids were. But, you know, it, yeah. it really, I think the possession, and, and this is, a, I suspect, a fairly standard Christian philosophy, is that the devil magnifies the evil that you already have inside yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think probably the secretary had a few issues with taking things that didn't belong to her. Yeah. Um, Those kids clearly had issues with being bullies. Yes, they did. And it took the thing that was inside Stanley, that, that like rage and hurt. Yes. He was an unhappy boy and, and turned it into something more, but yeah, there, there are plenty of examples in reality and fiction of people who grow up in bad circumstances and don't choose to murder their entire school. Yeah, and they're not the hero if they do. No, no, not even if there are puppies involved. Ratings. This movie felt problematic. <laughs> Did it? Yes. <laughs> You know, as I was saying, with the puppy versus mm-hmm. Satan and so forth. Also, their Latin class was taught by a Nazi. Mm, and I mean, that's rude of me to say. It's just a guy with a German accent. But Yay. yeah, yeah. So that was weird because he was like wearing an American military uniform. Uh, right. Like his German <laughs> accent was saying some very questionable things. Yeah. So, I mean, that's weird. Also, I, I'd like to note that his name tag read Hauptmann, which I'm pronouncing wrong, and is, I'm pretty sure, German for captain. Like, it's the rank in the military. So do you think that their Latin teacher was named Captain Captain? I think it's very likely hmm. that he was. Yeah, that's that checks out. Yeah. That seems about right. Just, I, I, there have so many little notes about this movie that I'm getting away from the point, which is that I'm trying to rate this movie. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was problematic and it was dumb and weird. But what I noticed is that during this movie, I was very interested because bad movies are usually, often at least, really boring. And mm-hmm. this was not boring, it was interesting. It constantly had things going on and plot points that were a lot of different parts to the plot that all factored in even though that none of them made sense right (laughs) but they all felt like they might go somewhere and so it kept me going throughout and that was good it was however very dumb yes not very scary and uh just some real 80s weirdness and cheese Mm -hmm. yeah this could only have happened in the 80s really during the satanic panic era you might say indeed so i mean i really didn't hate it I wouldn't recommend it to people, but 
It kept me interested. I'm going to rate this two and a half Miss Heavy Artilleries out of five. Okay. I agree with the things that you just said. I think that it was not a good movie. <laughs> it was not. And and plot-wise, like the number of plot holes, I, I just, you can't even count them. They were everywhere. Yes. But that was almost part of the fun as it, we got deeper into it. Because there would just be like, I started watching for things. So I'm like, oh... They're not trying to have any continuity at all. Yes, like it, nothing he tied picks together. Up one puppy at the end of one scene, and then you see him carrying the puppy at the beginning of the next scene. There's like a, a millisecond between, and they're completely different dogs. Yeah, not even the same breed. Yeah, they were both cute though. They were both cute, but like little things like that where it was it was entertaining it's sort of like when i watch poltergeist movies and i'm like watching for the you know cupboards to be left open and stuff (laughs) yes (laughs) it was watching for whatever goofs were gonna happen i i agree with you story-wise it was problematic like the hero of our movie was not a hero and and there's a thing where you know you don't have a hero you only have an anti-hero you're not supposed to like relate to him but this one, I think you kind of were. Well, yeah, because it had that arc of the loser yeah. getting revenge or yeah. and that you, bullies getting comeuppance. Right, and you were supposed to be like on board with it because those guys threw his hat out the window. So <laughs> yes. clearly they need to die. I feel a little bad that I just said that because they were terrible. Yeah, they were. They were he, absolutely terrible. He too. was being horribly mistreated. And needed to be removed from that situation entirely. They all needed to have consequences. Those consequences did not need to be getting hacked up, eaten by hogs, and burned up in a church. Yeah, that's fair. I The acting was not great. Yeah. It was very over-the-top stilted. And I don't know, though, if it was that the acting was so bad or if they were just being poorly directed. But it was not... It was not good. It wasn't the kind yeah. where you were like, get involved. It was definitely the kind where you're like, oh, I'm watching people read lines. <laughs> you know, that wasn't great. I loved the special effects. Overall, so this kind of goes into the category of like space balls or <laughs> yes. land shark or like there are certain movies that are so shockingly ridiculous in some way that you have to show that movie to as many people as possible because... Once you've seen it, then the entertainment is watching someone else see it. (laughs) Sure. You're like, I had to experience this, so now you do too. This movie would definitely go into that category. If I knew someone who liked terrible horror movies... You do! I do. But like, this would be one of the movies where I'm like, all right, are you in for this? Because this is going to be a ride. (laughs) It is a ride. Except that the dog dies, and that takes a lot of the people I know out of the running for showing in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, long story short, I'm going to rate this movie a three and a half. Oh, wow. Miss Heavy Artilleries. That was quite a pageant. There were there were four <laughs> women in this movie, and one of them got eaten by pigs while she was naked, and the other three were, were in bathing suits in a very crowded room full of military men. Yeah. So, like, when you say there was some problematic elements to the movie. And I might, like, I might even just watch this movie again myself just to see what other ridiculousness I could catch. That's very positive. Yeah. 
Fight the horror of a world gone mad. My hot political tip, to go along with evil speak, is based on a single quote that is said fairly early on in the movie where they're establishing that there's lots of not great people at this at this military school. Yeah. Um, it was like a parent's day of some kind, and the the head teacher, whatever, somebody important, was giving a tour to one of the rich moms, um, you know, wife of a senator. I have, I have a note about this scene, too. And, you know, they, they t- tell her how great her son is, and then say something like, you know, oh, I really hope we have the resources to do right by him. Uh-huh. And she says that not to worry because the senator is, quote, very big on military causes, especially tax-exempt ones. Yes. And I don't feel like there was a lot of, like, heavy political stuff happening in this movie, but that was very pointed. So it brings me to my hot political tip, which is follow the money. Like, Mm -hmm. pay attention to who is giving your elected representatives money and who your elected representatives are giving their money to because often that says more about the decisions they're going to make on your behalf than anything that they would say to your face Um, yes so that's just my thing like when when you see people talking about how your senator or your house representative perhaps is funded or how they make their investments, or what charities they're giving their money to, etc., etc. I don't know. Look into it a little bit. See if what it tells you about them. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah. And my note about that scene where the woman's getting escorted around was there's one scene where they introduce the priest at this totally not separation of church and state problem military academy. Yes. And you said... The priest is hot. And then two seconds later, that woman they're escorting around is introduced to him. And she immediately turns from the colonel who's guiding her around. She's like, I think I'd like to see what's going on in the chapel with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. She was on board. She was. I mean, he was he was by far the best looking man in the whole movie. <laughs> and he had that little priest collar on. And I was but like, wait, what about the topless chef? That was one of the moments of, like, he walked on screen, and I think I did one of those, like, Sylvester, you know, Looney Tunes, like, double takes. I'm like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah, he's a greasy, sweaty guy wearing nothing but an apron, and he's like, yeah, I'm cooking you kids lunch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was the only halfway decent person in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. To be fair. And later he had a shirt on. Yes. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. We are going to watch a better movie next week. We might. We might not. Who knows? It's always hit or miss. Um, But I will see you then. And until then, don't forget to contact your elected representatives. Yeah. in a tin can that's how it's gonna be boom echo 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 that was weird